Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime that you know, that you love. He is the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, you know, we, the last we talked to our listeners, it was Tuesday for them. A lot's happened since then. We've, we've gotten some new information on Drew Locke, Noah Fant. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But it's been a busy couple of days, and we, we woke up Wednesday morning to the news that the Broncos put Bug Howard and Horace Richards in a corner on injured reserve. Yeah, it's uh, it's another tough tight end loss for the Broncos. Another young player in that group, along with Austin Ford, who was lost to a torn ACL in Howard that I really liked. And it's unfortunate that this this room is is I don't want to say cursed. I mean, I've had used that word in the past, but the injury bug is bearing down on them. So it's it sucks for uh, for Bug Howard. Hopefully, he comes back you know healthy next year if he gets a shot with them. Uh, Richardson's not a big loss because fortunately for the Broncos, they're pretty well stocked in the secondary, but it's just more movement along this roster and it just changes and, and adds more questions than answers to the 53, which has to be finalized, Chad, 10 days from now. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's a hit to the tight end core because, I mean, it's just the, they're, they're proverbial walking wounded at that position. They made it, uh, an addition after they put Howard on injured reserve later on Wednesday. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But still, that tight end room is just, you know, it's hurting. However, what concerns me more, actually, is the fact that Horace Richardson has had a really strong summer. I know Eric Trickle has written quite a bit about being impressed, not out over his skis. I mean, he's not getting carried away, but he's been pleasantly surprised by Horace Richardson. So, you know, it's they're going on injured reserve. No, no. Whatever players the Broncos place on injured reserve between now and you know throughout the season, whatever. Well, I should say between now and when the season starts, all of them are are eligible technically to be pulled off onto you know designation to return eight weeks in. But the Broncos can only bring back two. So Drew Locke's going to factor into this possibly. We'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But what I'm getting at is there's don't slam the door completely on the possibility if things go wrong for the Broncos in terms of injuries hitting corners, you might see Horace Richardson again down the road. Yeah, that's a possibility, Chad. Also, if if he has another setback, Jake Butt would be a candidate for that IR uh, designated to return tag. They're going to have some tough roster math to do. I don't envy Vic Fangio, John Elway, with all these injuries taking hold of the roster right now. And because of that, too, we haven't really seen the complete Broncos in action yet. Kareem Jackson, Ron Leary, some of these players have been in and out of action and out of practices. Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan, another one. And it's just given us a, a rough... Uh, first draft of what the Broncos are going to look like. And by product, the front office has no clue how to organize the reserve. So hopefully uh, these injuries kind of settle down now and they have the players they like for the next 10 days. But it's going to be tough, I think, trimming down 37 more players on top of all these injuries. No doubt. 
Well, we do have a lot to get to today. We'll circle back on this topic here in just a minute. First, though, a couple of quick reminders, especially to our new listeners. Our show is growing exponentially week in and week out. Welcome to all of our new listeners, no matter which platform you are listening to the show on. But here's a reminder. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod, because that's how you stay plugged in. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happened with the show in real time. You can find Zach on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Let us know you're a listener. Who knows? We, we I, I'm always down to follow back. You let me know you're a listener. Also, if you're on iTunes and you're new there, we've got that. I mean, the show's growing big time on iTunes. Well, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. But if you like what you hear, new listener, give us a creative review. Give us a five-star rating. You guys have no idea how much that can help us. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season-long. But there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire. Literally. It does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. This is the... I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's, uh, I want to talk more about the transactions from, from Wednesday, but let's just first back up a little bit. When last we left our listeners, and obviously everyone should be up to speed on this, but when last we left them, all we knew is that Drew Locke was going to be undergoing an MRI. The x-rays that night of the game on Monday night against the Niners showed negative in terms of breaks in his, in his right hand. And Vic Fangio was using verbiage like mild to describe the injury to both him and Noah Fant. Well, we found out later on, I believe it was Tuesday from Ian Rappaport, that it's a bad sprain. And by bad, that he's probably going to be out, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be a minimum, Zach, of five weeks, which... You know, that sucks for Locke because he was building up momentum. I mean, frankly, if you ask me, the last, well, all three weeks, he's looked like if you, you kind of got to throw away the first game. But the last two weeks, he's been the best Broncos quarterback on the field. Now, granted, Flacco's reps have been significantly limited compared to, but he's been getting better, so it sucks in terms of, you know, it's taken away from his momentum. 
However, where it really is going to sting, because the Broncos aren't going to be leaning on him this year anyway unless disaster strikes, where it really hurts is the roster math. Because, yeah, it was possible because Locke is a rookie that the Broncos were going to carry three quarterbacks, possibly Kevin Hogan, maybe someone else who ends up cut on, you know, in the NFL. Now, though, they pretty much have to carry three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster here two weeks from now because... Or unless, I should say, they put Locke on injured reserve. However, you might say, well, just put him on ice for eight weeks. No big deal. Flacco's going to be the guy. Don't worry about it. However, the the concern with that, Zach, is if you put a player on injured reserve, not only is he out eight weeks minimum, that's fine. Uh, I could live with that, to be honest with you. However, he can't be as involved in the day-to-day as a player who's not on injured reserve. There are restrictions in terms of not just practice, but... Uh, meetings and things like that that I was ta- I was told about on uh, Wednesday afternoon. So that being said, what are your thoughts? What's your reaction to the fact that Drew Locke, his injury was a lot more than, I mean, yeah, it's not season ending, but I would say it's, it was a lot more s- significant than mild. Chad, I think you hit on what I was going to say pretty well. It, it sucks for Drew Locke for sure, but it sucks for the Broncos having now to pretty much force to carry Kevin Hogan on the f- 53-man roster and just – impede Drew Locke's progress, even temporarily, it's just for no reason based on uh, a pretty freak injury. He he jammed his, jammed his thumb on the turf going down to his sack. He, he compared it to what he did in basketball a thousand times. It, we talked about on the last pod chat, it was a byproduct of the Broncos having a shoddy offensive line protecting him, and he was forced to run for his life. But it, injuries are a part of the game. The Broncos are more fortunate that he didn't break his hand, he didn't break his thumb, which would have cost him the entire season. But in the short term, the next... Uh, as you say, five or six weeks, it's just unfortunate that they're going to have to rely on Kevin Hogan as the number two. He's just so uninspiring. And they're forced in that situation because they're not going to have Brett Rippon, who they barely played this preseason, as the only backup behind Joe Flacco. So um, hopefully Locke can heal pretty fast because the sooner he's healthy, he was already, I think, officially taking that number two job. I mean, if he would just stayed healthy in that game, Hogan probably would have been, would have been released already or on the way out. Yep. But as soon as he gets healthy, I think he'll cement that spot and the Broncos can move on but it's just in the in the short term it's pretty unfortunate you know I think the Broncos were trying to sandbag with regard to Brett Rippon I think they were going to try and get by this summer without playing him or with playing him as little as possible in the actual preseason games a little as possible film for NFL teams to look at so that when the final cutdowns come they could easily or more easily sneak him onto the practice squad but they're going to have to play him now because I think you could tell from what Fangio said following Wednesday's practice, kind of uh, pumping the brakes on the starters playing maybe even at all in this next preseason game against the L.A. Rams. The Broncos are starting to be extremely sensitive and cognizant of of the fact that the injury bug is is taking a bite. So let's not tempt fate. Let's not put our key players out there that if we don't need to for the final two games that mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. So translation, though, with regard to the backups – Brett Rippon's going to have to play, unless you just said, you know what, we're just going to play Kevin Hogan from start to finish this coming week, which, you know, if Rippon's there, you might as well play him. It's a disservice to him, honestly. It's an, and it's, you could even argue it's a disservice to the team to not play him because there's a solid possibility that even today, as an undrafted rookie, he's better than Kevin Hogan. 
it, to me, it, it says a lot that it, they didn't play him considering he, he threw a game-winning touchdown pass in the first preseason game, Chad, and he just got no playing time in, in week two. So I want to see more commitment to a young developmental passer who they were about to use a draft pick on but lucked into as an undrafted free agent, a guy who you would think would succeed with Rich Gangarello, a very heady, smart uh, rich man's version of Trevor Simeon. I want to see him in action. Doesn't have the strongest arm. He won't have the highlight plays like Flacco or Drew Locke, but he's definitely uh, uh, more upside and more exciting to me than watching Kevin Hogan. But the Broncos can't risk it now. They can't risk Kevin Hogan being out there and letting him get hurt. And then they're forced to scramble and sign another quarterback. It just adds more uh, worry to their plate. So I, I tend to think, yeah, I think Rippon's going to probably get the entire second half, if not more playing time. And the rest is going to be uh, maybe a little Joe Flacco and the rest Kevin Hogan. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But it's just, it's unfortunate because if the Broncos do in, indeed end up having to carry three quarterbacks, that's just one less roster spot they could use at offensive line or linebacker or tight end for crying out loud or running back with how things yep. kind of got squampus with. Theo Riddick and Andy Janovich. So it's really unfortunate. I feel bad for Drew Locke because, man, he was he was ascending. You know, he was building momentum and just such a fluke, stupid play. So, well, and the good news, though, guys, is that it's temporary. He'll be back soon. It, it will leak into the regular season a little bit. But, you know, by the end of the first quarter of this, this regular season, you're going to see him out there on the field, or, or I should say on the sideline behind Joe Flacco, holding that clipboard with the earpiece in, ready to go in if he needs to. So let's uh, shift gears here, Zach, and we found out also a little bit more context in terms of Noah Fant's timeline. He is, basically all we know is that he's going to be ready to go week one. Translation, he's not playing the next two preseason games. So are you okay with that? I mean, even if he was healthy, let's say, feeling a lot better coming out of this coming weekend, you know, after the Rams game, obviously you're going to keep him out of the Rams game. But if he was even feeling better starting next week, is there any reason to play him in that preseason finale? I'm fine with it, Chad. There's no reason to play anyone who's even relatively minor injured. And, and just sit them down. Let them get healthy for week one. They've seen what they have to see for the most part from key players. I, I would tend to lean on the safer-than-sorry approach and rest some of these star players. Fan is a big, big piece of this offense. He's a big component of the future. He's shown well in practice. He's developed as a blocker, as a pass catcher. The Broncos are lucky, as I talked about in the last pod, it wasn't a high ankle sprain. It sounds like it's a low ankle sprain. They were fortunate, too, in that sense. Sit him down. But don't let him get anywhere near the field. He'll be ready for week one, and that's where it should be. They cannot tempt fate, Chad. The Broncos, considering all their bad luck at tight end, they have Hireman who's battling his shoulder. They have Jake Budd, who we know with his knee. Fumagalli coming off a of sports hernia. They just, you know, well, the one guy they can put in bubble wrap right now, and Noah Fant, they need to do that. What are your thoughts on uh, the Broncos kind of keeping Bryce Callahan out? Not only choosing not to let him play. And it sounded like listening to Fangio Wednesday afternoon that if he doesn't play a single preseason snap, they are absolutely content. Are you okay with that? And does it concern you that his foot, which Fangio has basically just said, the same foot that he injured late last season in Chicago, has just been acting up in terms of it being sore? If this was a regular season preparation week, he'd probably be out there and he'd be you know, maybe questionable in terms of his official listing, but he'd end up playing on game day. Do you feel like you need to see him this summer? Are you okay with just putting him on ice? And how worried or concerned should fans be about the fact that that foot is still bugging him and he's going to make $7 bucks this year? 
You know, it's so funny you asked that, Chad. I was going to tweet about it earlier. I, I'm not ready to press the panic button, but my hand is hovering right above it. I would really would have liked to see him get consistently on the practice field, participate in training camp, obviously play in a regular a preseason game, excuse me, just to get some familiarity and some chemistry down. Even though he knows Fangio's playbook, Donatel's playbook, this is still a new team, new players, new teammates, new environment. I want to see the whole defense come together, Kareem Jackson included. I'm not so worried about him though. Callahan, that foot is a big reason why, Chad. He lasted until the second wave of free agency. He wasn't gobbled up uh, like even a Kareem Jackson was, like the top-end free agents were. The Bears had reservations about that foot. I think Fangio to an extent did, and he relayed that to John Elway. They made him kind of a a low-end offer. And all we have to do right now is hope it's not a chronic issue, it's not an aggravation, it's not a setback. I want to see him. I want to see what he can do. He has a new component, a new element to this defense. And looking long-term, he could be the reason, the make or break, whether the Broncos pursue Chris Harris Jr. as a free agent and bring him back or let him go. That slot, you know, that slot nickel uh, starter of the future. That could be Callahan, but we won't know, Chad, until he gets on the field. Yeah. I know. I'm kind of torn on this. On one hand, I want to see this new weapon, defensive weapon, you know, unwrapped and out on the grass, at least for a series. I mean, give me a series. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what? These are exhibition games. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's experienced in Fangio's scheme. The, the goal should be get him to week one as healthy and close to 100% as, as humanly possible as a team. So at the end of the day, that outweighs the kind of the compulsion to want to see him. But it's concerning. I mean, it's something that we have to monitor moving forward. Now, one other topic I want to broach with you that came out on Wednesday before we uh, take a quick break is, you know, we, uh, we kind of talked about and reacted negatively, obviously, to the Garrett Bowles hold that negated that 45-yard connection between Joe Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders on Monday night versus the Niners. Well, Vic Fangio, he didn't quite see it that way. When he was asked directly on Wednesday about his thoughts on, you know, hey, what'd you think of that hold? You know, basically took possibly points off the board because the Broncos would have been on the three-yard line if that play would have stood. With regard to Garrett Bowles, let me read to you guys quickly what he had to say. Here's what he said, quote, on the play you're particularly talking about, it wasn't his fault there on that. He was supposed to get a chip from the tight end. He set accordingly to get that chip. The tight end didn't chip him, which put Garrett in a bad spot and caused that holding penalty. That wasn't Garrett at all, close quote. Now, the tight end in question there that he, you know, didn't name but threw under the bus was Troy Fumagalli who he claims was supposed to chip. So that set Garrett back, you know, a little bit in the rep in terms of timing. He had to get, you know, beat his man there and ended up holding him. Now, I'm torn on this. I, you want to believe Fangio, and he's, he's such a straight shooter, right, that I can't, you know, sit here on this podcast and tell you that there's any ulterior motive in him standing up and defending Bowles. But at the same time, you kind of have to connect the dots in that you saw Elijah Wilkinson move from this whole summer pretty much. He's been playing swing tackle, left tackle with the twos, swinging back and forth between left and right tackle. They moved him to right guard with Ronald Leary held out of practice once again. And so I'm wondering how much of this is just the Broncos, you know, having internal meetings, Zach saying, look, it's bowls or bust for us this year. We're kind of on the hook. It is what it is. You know, you and I have talked about this kind of being the last hurrah for Bowles to prove himself, especially with Munchak coming in. How much of this comment do you attribute to that? Or do you think I'm just, it's too much tinfoil hat? That was just Fangio's opinion on that play, and it is what it is. 
Chad, I don't think enough tinfoil. I actually will go so far as to say that Fangio is almost protecting Garrett Bowles. That's what that comment sounded like. Listen, I'm not one to challenge his football knowledge. He, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But if you watch the film, he Fumagalli did actually chip a little bit of his player. He didn't just whiff completely. Garrett Bowles still um, fell behind in his assignment and his footwork, and he ended up holding on the play. So whether he was at fault or not, it's still a guy who's been – consistently, I would say, below average the last couple seasons, and he's always going to be under the spotlight. So any penalty that he uh, commits is always going to draw more fan ire, whether it's his you know, responsibility or not. But if you watch the film, he did get a chip. So to me, it sounds like Fangio, considering he knows where Bull stands in the fan base of the team, he knows also it's probably his last hurrah. He's probably talked to Mike Munchak about it. He's trying to me, and, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm just guessing, to protect a player who he knows is a little mentally uh, softer than the rest, I would say. He's, he's a little bit slow developing, so he's trying to build up his confidence, not throw him under the bus. He can do that to some players, and other players I feel like he, that wouldn't be able to weather that sort of public criticism. That's just what I saw and I heard. Definitely interesting. I wrote an article on it to get – I mean, it was, it was a headline, man. Fangio stands up and defends Garrett Bowles because – it was the biggest facepalm moment of that entire game when that whole game was pretty much bad for the Broncos. It was just a series of unfortunate events unfolding one after the other. And that one was kind of the, uh, you know, the signature play of that particular game going south for the Broncos. And he stands up and defends him. And I thought, you know, that's that's notable. It's interesting. So we'll have to monitor that. We, we still have a couple more things we want to talk about today, including the additions to the roster the Broncos made Wednesday afternoon. We're going to get to that here in just a second. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. All right, Zach, let's get to the additions the Denver Broncos, well, let's say the transactions the Broncos made because they waived linebacker Aaron Wallace. Now, they put him on the waived injured list, which is interesting. I didn't know he was injured per se. But Aaron Wallace, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, edge rusher, outside linebacker, he's gonzo. In his place, the Broncos claimed two players off of waivers. One, Tyler Jones. He's a, an offensive guard, undrafted rookie out of NC State, who was originally signed by the New York Jets following the draft, recently waived. They picked him up, and they also signed linebacker, Daddy Nicholas. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He spells it D-A-D-I. I'm not 100% sure on that. could be Dottie, but I'm pretty sure it's Daddy Nicholas. Now, Nicholas was, uh, you know, he entered the league, uh, I think it was in 2016, mid-round, late-round pick from, uh, I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. And so the Broncos added a couple guys off waivers, but the big story, really, Zach, is the Broncos signed Orson Charles. He's a tight end slash fullback slash H-back type of player, which... It was interesting because Eric floated Orson Charles' name 
Eric Trickle, early Wednesday, he had an article talking about nine players who need to step it up in Denver, nine Broncos, and then some options out there to replace these guys if they don't step it up. And one of those options Eric landed on first thing this morning, he actually submitted it yesterday, and I published it Wednesday morning at milehighhuddle.com. One of those names was Orson Charles. And I was actually, I remember when he entered the league in 2012, he was a fourth-round pick, ended up going to Cincinnati. He was, he was out of Georgia. I was always really high on him and, and was surprised that he was never really able to make hay in the NFL. But what's interesting, and then I'm going to serve this over to you, Zach, is that not only is he a tight end, but the Broncos are staring down the barrel of possibly having to task a tight end with playing some fullback until Andy Janovich gets healthy when it comes to the regular season. And that's something Orson Charles, who's 6'3", 257 pounds, can do. Yeah, he's among the the players that they claim today. He's the one I think has the chance to stick on the 53-man roster, at least temporarily considering the the movement in the tight end room. What I I think the Broncos like about him is he's a veteran presence. They really don't have that on the roster at that spot other than Jeff Hireman, and he's, um, I would say, injury-prone. So he is a veteran presence, can double as a fullback, like you said, and I think after Fangio's comment about Fumagalli, they're not going to trust him in that role as a fullback. So they need to be, uh, pick up a guy who can kind of be versatile and, and play both spots. That could be him. I ultimately believe, and, and I could see him being just a camp body and being cut at final cuts. He's just a, an insurance player for now for the final couple preseason games. Uh, but if he sticks around, I like the fact that he's a veteran presence, can kind of come in and be a good uh, mentor and a good locker room presence for some of these younger players. Let me just read some clips here from the press release the Broncos sent us here this afternoon. Charles is a sixth-year player who has appeared in 49 regular season games. He's started eight of them with three postseason contests, two of which he started with Cincinnati, Detroit, Kansas City, Cleveland. These are all the teams he's, he's been with, the most recent, of course, being Cleveland. His career totals include, and this is where you start raising your eyebrows, in all the time he's been in the NFL, he's only tallied 14 receptions for 185 yards. So he's also got a few special teams tackles to his credit. He's recovered a fumble. But, again, he was a fourth-round pick of Cincinnati in 2012. And uh, before that, the reason I was into him coming out of Georgia was he was a John Mackey Award finalist, and that's the award for the nation's top tight end in college football. And he finished his collegiate career with 94 receptions for 1,370 yards, 10 touchdowns. So he was a prolific player in those final two years, especially at Georgia. He just hasn't been able to, you know, take it to the next level in the NFL. And I think part of the reason for that, Zach, is, you know, he's kind of developed a little niche of being a jack-of-all, master of none. I think, you know, even though the Broncos do have a unique situation where they need both a tight end and a fullback, he makes a lot of sense. I'd like to see Charles, in order for the Broncos to maximize what he might be able to bring to the table, just plugged in and said, look, we want you to focus on being a tight end, and let's get out there and do it. Because technically now, he is the Denver Broncos, I mean, in terms of being in the league the longest, he's their most experienced tight end now, because Jeff Hireman entered the NFL in 2015. Exactly, yeah, and that's what I think drew the Broncos to him. They have enough young players at the spot with Fan, Bud, Fumagalli. They need a veteran, stable presence, just like in the receiving court, Chad, with Emmanuel Sanders, just to always to have that booby there. And if, if, if Bud has a setback or he doesn't show well in practice of the game this week, if they don't have any sort of development with Fumagalli or, and if Fan, you know, he's injured now, or uh, Charles could stick. I just think, though, if, if everything goes according to plan in a perfect best-case scenario, they have these young players there for a reason. So if they can get healthy and, and Buck can kind of come back from his setback, I think Charles won't be you know long for the 53. 
All right, let me give you guys just a little bit more background on the two guys they claimed off waivers. So Jones, Tyler Jones, the offensive lineman, he's 6'3", 306. So it was originally reported that he's an offensive tackle. He's not. He's a guard. Okay, so he's only 6'3". Rookie, undrafted, NC State, and uh, signed with the Jets. Did not play in either of the Jets' preseason games and was waived yesterday. So he's yet to debut in the NFL. In college, though, he started at left tackle for 39 consecutive games, which is why, you know, as far as his profile and the way he's known, he's considered a, a tackle. But at the NFL level, that's that's guard size. And he was a two-time all ACC selection as a red shirt junior and a senior. So interesting, you know, he probably just factors into the backup depth there. It's kind of late in the game for him to make hay, but who knows if he, if he can come in in these final two weeks and make an impression, you know, the Broncos only have five more practices left, two games, five practices. So his, his opportunity is finite, but if he can make some hay, I mean, the only backup player who I think the Broncos have really any confidence in right now, and as far as the interior, there's two guys who, and it's not a lot of confidence, it's kind of surface confidence, is Austin Schlotman and Sam Jones. And Sam Jones, the confidence they have in him is more about believing in his potential and his draft pedigree as a six-round pick last year, not necessarily based on anything great he's done this summer in the preseason game. So I think there's an opportunity, from what I was told on Wednesday, Zach, from a source close to, to the Broncos in Denver, They've kind of soured a little bit on Barkley. Now, that doesn't mean Don Barkley is not going to make the roster. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything long term. It just means right now there's an opportunity for Jones to make some hay. You know, I, I like the fact that the Broncos are addressing their depth and their lack of depth, that offensive tackle, offensive line. I mean, I've been complaining about it the last couple of games, and it got Drew Lock hurt, and I railed on. Uh, the Broncos coaching staff in the front office for not developing a young offensive lineman. So I have to give them credit for at least looking and trying and turning over every rock. I don't like the fact, though, that on August 21st, they're having to look for linemen still and bring them in, even as camp bodies, because your quarterback just got hurt, uh, your tackle is still committing bad holding penalties. I just still don't like the fact, Chad, there's no surefire young developmental prospect on this roster. I mean, you just talked about it. You couldn't even name one player, and the one player you named in Barkley that had some hype and momentum, he's been a, a kind of a veteran, veteran journeyman. They don't have one guy they've developed the last couple years that can come in and step in for an injury no player that any Broncos fan wants to see on the field that's unfortunate I don't like that aspect that they still have to look and it's still that unsettled I don't think he'll turn into anything but I don't think he can be worse than what we've seen the last couple weeks I agree and that's why I I advise everyone to go read that article that Eric published Wednesday morning that was you know nine Broncos who need to step it up and then some outside options to replace them if they don't he mentioned an option on that interior line. There's John Sullivan, the former uh, Ravens starting center. I think it was Ravens, I believe. I'll, I'll find it while I'm talking here. But he floated him because he's sitting out there as a free agent. And if you were to sign him, you would immediately have a scheme fit, a plug-and-play starter at center. Now you say, oh, well, that takes momentum and, and upward mobility a little bit away from Connor McGovern. But at least you could say, look, we've got a proven center, and you kick McGovern back over to right guard until there's some kind of clarity on Leary. Because the thing with Leary, I'm starting to get concerned that yeah. he might not be able to, to make any kind of an impact. And this is the last year the Broncos are going to put up with this with regard to Leary. They kind of were forced to deal with him because of his contract, the language in his contract. They were on the hook. They're not going to put up with this uh, beyond 2019 
And I'm concerned, Zach, that he's just going to be one of these constant, you know, uh, injury cases where he's maybe he comes in for a few plays. Maybe he even plays a couple games and then he's hurt. And then, you know, that's that's just what I envision for him at right guard, just the way it's gone so far this summer. So if you could get John Sullivan in there at center and plug McGovern at right guard, now you got a little bit more depth options, even if you chose to, if Leary was fully healthy, you plug him back in at right guard. You got Connor McGovern as a swing guy who can step in and play either guard spot and center. That's a pretty nice setup. But the problem with that line of thinking, aside from the fact that it takes away from the momentum that McGovern has built up, is that John Sullivan, is he would command some dollars. Not a ton, okay, not a ton, but it's probably more than what the Broncos are feasibly able to put out there right now with regard to how little cap space they have. Chad, I'm with you on Leary. That was kind of his rep in Dallas where he was really good when he was on the field, a borderline pro bowler, but he was rarely on the field. That was his problem. So he carried that over into Denver, unfortunately. He had that Achilles, and now he's missing time. He has a sore knee. It's kind of been always something with Leary since he's been in Denver. Great player, but you can't make the club in the tub. And even though he will, it's not going to bode well for his future. So I'm with you in the sense that this is last year here either way. And hopefully the Broncos can squeeze as much value out of him as possible. In terms of Sullivan, I would like the move and I would agree with the move from a depth purpose, but I don't think the Broncos want to upset the apple cart when it comes to the starting line in chemistry. That's so important. They finally kind of have it down. Now they finally have the players where they want to have, and they have a, they have a new right tackle. They have a new left guard. They have, you know, a center in McGovern who's having problems with snaps. I would like Sullivan as a as a backup for sure, but for them to bring him in at this stage as a potential starter, I just think it would rock the boat too much and be more of a detriment than a positive. Well, we will see how it shakes out. The Broncos are on a short week. They have the L.A. Rams on Saturday, and from the sounds of it, don't expect to see much from the starters, which is fine for for us. We love watching the depth players. We love seeing how these these young guys continue to progress and develop and how they play under the lights and so it's still going to be a fun game to watch and cover and break down, but don't expect to see much, if any, of the starters in uh, this fourth preseason game for the Denver Broncos. Third for the Rams, so you might see them play their starters. I don't know for sure. In fact, actually, I think McVay had something to say about that, but I can't remember now off the top of my head if it was the starters are going to play a lot or if they're not going to play at all. But either way, don't expect to see the Broncos starters much on Saturday. But you'll get another episode with us between now and then. We'll be back for the VIP mailbag. Uh, in time or ahead of that game. But in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at KelbermanNFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We'll be back soon for that mailbag session. Get your Look for your, uh, get your questions, I should say. If you go to the community tab on YouTube, our YouTube listeners, go to the community tab. You'll see the call out for questions for this week's mailbag. If you're on Twitter, tweet us, either one of our personal accounts or the at HuddleUpPod account, and we will get to every single question. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return. 
and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.